0: In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I discuss the news that the Lakers are hiring Darvin Hamm as their head coach, and thus won't hire Doc Rivers. We talk about Embiid officially being named to the All-NBA second team, and the travesty that that is. And we talk about Jimmy Butler's incredible Game 6 performance against the Celtics, about the end of Butler's time in Philadelphia, and about what could have been. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by my cat who just jumped up on my desk, and also Rich Hoffman on the Sixers beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich?
1: Derek, I'm good. I uh, I was watching some basketball last night, and uh, there, there was a guy who was pretty familiar. He's he's pretty good in these third and fourth rounds of the playoffs, but second round of the playoffs too, but. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, so there. I guess there's a couple of small things to talk about. No major news here over the past week. We're kind of in that portion of the schedule, which, uh,
1: which by the way, it, it makes podcasting a little bit harder. But it's nice.
0: It yeah, is. It is a, a couple of weeks of just not a lot of stuff happening. That's okay. Well, especially for fans, because I feel like you get your heart ripped out every. Uh, I don't know, mid May or so. Maybe it'll plus or minus a month, depending on a on the COVID schedule. But you get your heart <laughs> ripped out in mid May. I think you guys need a couple of light weeks even a month until we really get back into the hardcore uh, fretting over the team, which I mean, it's going to happen because we have a contract to talk about coming up here soon, but a couple of small minor pieces of news. First of all, the Lakers uh, hired Darvin Ham as head coach. So no, uh, you know, you're not losing doc rivers, depending on where you fall on doc rivers as a coach, depends on whether you're happy or sad. Um, But doc rivers, By all accounts, and I think we both said that if Doc doesn't go to L.A., he is going to be back as a Sixers head coach. It is certainly looking like that is the case. So you've got that little piece of news. You've got Joel Embiid officially being voted to second team All-NBA. He has never made the first team All-NBA. He ended up with 57 first team votes, which he got 57 first team votes. Jokic got 88. So clearly a lot of players vote or a lot of voters voted for both of them on their first team. There was more of a concerted effort to get them both on the first team than there ever has been. But because of the NBA's screwed up accounting system, Joel Embiid, even though he had more points than Jason Tatum is a second team center. And then you have Jimmy Butler going all Jimmy Butler. Where would you like to start?
1: Let's start with the two tangible Sixers things now. So let's, let's go the order that you said those three things.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I think both of us, you know, we go back to our our last pod. Both of us, I think thought that Doc Rivers was going to be back as head coach. The Sixers have pushed back very strongly that there was ever a chance that he was leaving. They have certainly spoken um, that they want him back both on and off the record. The one sort of hanging possibility was the Lakers. Yep. And I don't,
1: I don't um, downplay, or it's not that I don't believe that the Lakers didn't have interest in Doc Rivers, but the thing about Doc Rivers is he's under contract for the next few years for the Sixers. So wanting him and delaying your search as long as possible, that's fine, but Doc Rivers had to actually leave Philadelphia, and the Sixers had to be willing to let him go. So, you know, at that salary, I also wonder, like, you know would right. Josh Harris actually want to you know get rid of Doc Rivers but he uh yeah i think he's going to be back next year which is I, that was the likeliest outcome all along but yeah i mean it was it was obviously there was a lot of chatter around the league about the lakers wanting him but
0: yeah i don't know if i have too much on that because i feel like we have discussed that a lot here over the last couple of podcasts unless you have any other sort of stray thoughts before we move on
1: no just just putting a bow on it just just saying that that was the uh, the only outcome that really was going to change things, uh, in our opinion, and now it's off the table. Yep. So,
0: all right. So Joel Embiid, a second team All NBA center for, what is this, this fourth year in a row? I'm getting my years mixed up. My <laughs> Fifth brain's year pretty fried. Fifth year in a row. No,
1: or no, wait, it's not fourth year in a row. I think it's four out of five because
0: remember he didn't yeah, make it the one had, year. He had he missed a lot of time. Yep.
1: But by the way, another some more evidence. The, the idea that Ben Simmons was ever a better player than Joel Embiid is ridiculous. The year that Ben Simmons makes the all NBA team and Joel Embiid completely misses it. No coincidence that that was the Sixers worst year by a mile over the, uh, over the past oh, sure. five, six, five sure. years. So,
0: yeah. So he has, uh, all NBA second team in 2017, 18, 2018, 19, missed it in 2019, 20, then made it in 2021, 22, 21, 22. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. I can't. Made it in 2021, 20, 2020, 2021, and then 2021, 2022.
1: You should have just said <laughs> 2021, he, he, 2021. He made 22. it in
0: four of the last five years. He missed 2019, 20. Isn't that like I was eight trying- <laughs> years with the way you were
1: talking about it?
0: Anyway, all NBA second team. It's What's just, the word I always screw up, by the way? I forget, but you screwed it up two podcasts in a row. <laughs> anyway. You know, I think this is something that you and I both thought was an eventuality because the NBA system is so broken, you know, and while they allowed the media to submit submit ballots with Embiid at either forward or center, and while those votes did add to his point total, you can only be eligible to make the team at one spot, which is whichever position you received the majority of your votes at. So even though he's getting first team forward votes, he can't actually make the first team as a forward because he received more of his votes at center meaning he would have needed a higher point total than Jokic in order to make the first team. So having more points than, say, Tatum doesn't matter at all, since Embiid couldn't make the team as a forward. Um, and now, even though he's, you know, one of the two or three best players in the league this year, I, I think I saw StatMuse say the only time that a player has finished in the top two in MVP voting and did not make first team All-NBA was Joel Embiid last year and Joel Embiid this year. And it's just, like, whatever system we're devising up here, and it seems like this, the NBA is sort of, like, creeping towards positionless teams by allowing you to vote, you know, increasing the flexibility and where you can vote players at. But keeping this stupid system about only being able to slot in where you get the most votes at, it's just ridiculous. Like There had to be a near unanimous coordinated effort to say, everyone vote Jokic at center and Embiid at forward. And that was the only way that they were both going to make the first team. And it's just, it's silly. It's just silly.
1: So I think they're going to change it. I, I
0: think they're going to change it
1: next year. If, like I think they're I. they're pretty sick of this criticism because it's such a stupid system. It's ridiculous. He should have been on the first team both of those years. Now I don't know what they'll do. Maybe they go two front court, two guards and a wild card and they just group the centers in with the front court. I would be fine with that. They need to do better than this uh these rigid positions though when you can halfway vote your way out of it but it doesn't really matter with like you said you only get slotted at the position that you get the most uh the most votes in yeah it's it's bad i mean the the second best player in the league should be on the first team all nba and i don't know figure it out I, i would be completely down with just make it uh just make it the five best players they're not they're not playing real basketball we're not building a team to play against other people. I don't, I don't care. Does it look weird? It'll be short on ball
0: handling. Okay. Who fucking cares? Nobody's playing.
1: Oh yeah. Nobody's playing. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. And Um, look,
0: I think a lot of people look at it and say like the first team, all NBA should be a recognition of who was the best center in the league at that time. I think that's the NBA's um, sort of thinking behind that. I think some people share that. (sighs) And look, center is probably less flexible position wise than anyone else on the court. I would, honestly be a little more upset about this if it was, you know, the second best player in the league was a wing player uh, and and lost this because of positional concerns. I think there is more concern, like building a team around Jokic and Bede would be tougher than building a team around Booker and Tatum, say. Like, positional overlap is a little more of a concern. But I don't care about building a team. I don't care about recognizing the best center in the league. I care about recognizing the five best players and players who had the most impact in their sport in that season. And I think this is just a screwed up way to do it. And it's highlighted by the fact that the second best player who a lot of people thought was the best player is second team, all NBA for the fourth time in five years. And if this doesn't change might not ever. I mean, look years happen. He could have one year where Jokic gets hurt and Embiid is even more incredible than he is right now, but it doesn't seem like this is changing. Like it's Jokic is pretty established right now. And you could see an outcome where Joel Embiid goes, the rest of his prime and may never make more than one all NBA first team. And it's just, it's not representative of what it should be representative of. Completely agree with
1: you that it's not changing. So NBA change it this year, because I I guarantee you next season there, I I don't guarantee, like you said, there could be an injury. There could be a bunch of shit. If those two guys are healthy, I bet you they're two of the best five players in the league. And I bet you they're clearly two of the best five guys in the league. So fix it. That's all I got. The uh the other thing that's funny about it is that it with awards it's so crazy now that we we just jump when they actually get released like the it, it's so crazy. It would be like for like a a presidential election if people got into these huge arguments in August or something like that in September and they just didn't care. In November, when the actual <laughs> the the voting is released and all these things, we we care about this during the regular season, during I don't know February, March, whatever, and then when the the votes come out in May, it, it's like it's with a whimper, like nobody really cares. Well, especially because it came after, after
0: MVP too.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, but fix it because if if these two guys are healthy, I the next three years, I would not be surprised if they were two of the best five players in the NBA. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I think this is going to be the topic we talk about the most here, which is, uh, you know, it says a lot about Sixers, the the, the fate of this team and the course of this team over the last decade that we'll probably spend most of this podcast talking about Jimmy Butler.
1: (laughs) He doesn't play for them anymore.
0: (laughs) He doesn't. And the reason he, he doesn't play for them anymore (laughs) is controversial. And a lot of people like to debate it. But his performance there in game six against Boston, quite frankly, in a series where I thought Miami was cooked. For the most part, because of health concerns and the fact that their two best offensive players looked like they were shells of themselves Look athletically. They looked completely cooked. And then Butler comes out 47 points in 46 minutes, 16 for 29 shooting, 4 for 8 from three, which, holy shit, you know it's playoffs when Jimmy Butler is shooting eight three pointers. <laughs> 11 for 11 from the line, nine rebounds, eight assists four steals, one turnover. And it was just one. And he is such a unique player because he really does dial it up to a absurd degree in the playoffs and guts out. What was one of the best modern day performances you'll see, especially from a, you know, not like top 10 level. Like when we see these performances, they're Kevin Durant or Steph Curry or LeBron James. Jimmy Butler is a tier below that, but when you need him in a big game, it is just incredible what he does pretty consistently now. Pretty consistently. And I remember, and this sort of goes back to a lot of us, like sort of the dumbass conversations you can have early in people's career. I remember a criticism of Jimmy Butler is, oh, he's never gotten out of the second round. Oh, he's never never had playoff success. Well, boy, that looks a little silly here over the last two years, because what a, what a remarkable performance.
2: As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season, we'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino, and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 twenty six hundred to speak to an advisor, free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball, and you'll get a one-year subscription to the Athletic plus up to a one thousand dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: You mentioned LeBron. It was honestly reminiscent of LeBron. It was putting the smackdown in 2012 after uh, after the Heat got down 3-2 against the uh against Doc Rivers older Celtics team and he just he completely lit them on fire. Now, I will say the difference between those two games was I think they the Heat were a better team back then, obviously big 3 level and the Celtics were probably a worse team. They were an older group with Pierce and Allen, I think was yeah, Allen went to the Heat the next year and, and Garnett Uh, What was impressive to me, to me, I I look at this series, super ugly series, has had a lot of blowouts and bad games. To me, Boston is the better team. If they lose this series, they're going to be kicking themselves because that team is, there was a play that Legler showed last night. It was the play, I think it was like 98-98, where the Heat are attacking Derek White. And they they did that pretty much the entire fourth quarter where, you know, Gabe Vinson is the guy who gets attacked on one end of the court or Struess, or somebody. And the Heat's best option to attack the Celtics is Derek White. Derek White is a very good defensive player. And he's the guy that Jimmy has to go against because Boston is unbelievable defensively. And and by that point of the game, the Celtics said, you know what? We're hard-hatching like this is J.J. Redick. And I'm sorry, Derek White, you can't guard this guy. It's, It's ridiculous. What a performance. The Heat had nothing, I would say, for most of the second half offensively. They had a couple of ridiculous strews threes. And I know he had not made shots for most of the series, but man, that was, that was something. And you know, who knows? Like I, I would not be surprised. Boston wins by 10, 15 in game seven. Cause again, I, I think they're just a better team. I think, you know, playing this one-on-one style, they have more options to attack uh, Miami, but I, I'll put my hand up. Like I thought Jimmy Butler was terrific in the 2018. Sorry. The 2019 playoffs. He he was unbelievable. I was really worried about how his game was going 100%, to age. hundred percent. And I don't think I've ever seen. I, and I'll say like, th- there's two things um, at play here. Number one, I mean, obviously he keeps himself in great shape and everybody says that. And that's, that's a huge part of it. Like, you know, him uh, taking care of his body and despite not being a great three point shooter, just, you know, finding ways to still be explosive, all that stuff. You said it though, man, I've never seen a player kind of pace themselves like this and just turn it on in the playoffs where, you know, he's a very effective regular season player, but he's not going all out like this. And he's had like, that obviously is the crowning performance. He's had like three or four just unbelievable performances in these playoffs. Go back to the bubble. He had a bunch too. I, I don't think we can find a player in recent history that's like, you know, He's like the 15th best player in the league in the regular season, a very unspectacular 15th best guy in the league, just solid two-way player who ramps up to the playoffs and is like the third best player, fourth best player. Really? I mean, unbelievable stuff from him. And uh, yeah, well, Sixers got that one wrong.
0: Yeah. And I mean, look, he had had three 40-point games in his playoff run before that, but you look at three games- Prior to that, like he was averaging nine points per game and shooting 25% from the field in games, you know, three, four, and five. Like he yep. looked physically cooked. Um, it was an incredible performance. It does bring up a whole bunch of what ifs. I mean, that is the best player Joel Embiid has played with in his career. Not that Jimmy Butler is a better for his career player than James Harden, but you're not getting James Harden's prime right now, which we've discussed a lot. Speaking of that, by the way. Butler
1: and Harden are almost polar opposites of each other. Oh, completely. Yeah. Where Harden, for most of his career, is this regular season killer where you just look and say, you know, I, I don't really care about his deficiencies. This is 35 points per game in a top five offense and, you know, all the stuff he does. And then the playoffs, it's not as great. Jimmy's the opposite, where, yeah, the regular season's pretty good. Like, you know, he might go a month without taking a three. He, he might get in a fight with a coach or, you know, break up a film session or something like that. But the playoffs are completely different and it's, yeah, Sixers have been on the wrong end of that. Keep going. I'm sorry. I just wanted to get that point out there.
0: And it's impossible to talk about this without fans bringing up, you know, the decision that the Sixers made in 2019. And you mentioned I had serious concerns about how Jimmy Butler would have aged. Now, where I came down on that contract, I would have given him that contract. I was part of the run it back I was too contingent. But my thinking was you had two, three, maybe four years. If you're lucky of good Jimmy, then you had a real big concern there at the tail end of that contract. Well, he's so far aged pretty darn well.
1: You definitely got three years.
0: Yeah. He definitely got three years. He's playing tremendous basketball at what is he right now? Like 30, 32, 33. Hold on. Uh, 32. He'll be 33, uh, before the start of next season. I think a lot of people want to know sort of like the one reason, the definitive reason why the Sixers and Butler parted ways. And I don't think there was one reason, you know, I think there were a couple of key contributing factors, but I don't think the Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler pairing was going to work long-term. And I think that was a big part of that. I think the concern of those two being happy in their roles long-term was a big part of the Sixers hesitance in offering that contract. You know, and and to be clear, I haven't heard that either Simmons or Butler said they didn't want to play with the other guy, but I also think everyone involved from the coaching staff to the front office, you know, to Butler and Simmons camps had concern about that pairing that sharing the ball handling responsibilities like they did that year. I think everyone sort of thought that it wasn't going to work long term. Again, that doesn't mean that there weren't other concerns and other problems. It just means that this was a particularly tough one to get past. And again, from what I understand, I don't think either side said they couldn't play with the other or that it was a him or me situation at that time, you know, but I think there was some belief that committing to both players long-term had the chance to create a, an environment that could become toxic down the line and that it could in the future then become a him or me situation. But man, if, if you want to play, what if with the process? I think the biggest what if, the one that could have really changed the course and made this team a perennial contender, keeping Jimmy Butler and trading Ben Simmons at the top of his trade value. Was that a Mm -hmm. realistic path that you could have predicted at that time? I wouldn't have done it at the time, if I'm being honest. Like, I I would have sided with the 23-year-old. And I think the Sixers had more information than us, and maybe you hold it, certainly you hold them to a higher standard than two Yahoo's on a podcast, but they had more information about, Ben, his mental makeup about Jimmy and the way he prepares and takes care of himself. Like they had a lot more information to work with than we did. Even so, it would have been real tough to pick Jimmy Butler at what was he, 29 going on 30 at the time, over the 23 year old who had made two All Stars and looked like he had a lot of room to grow and would make 13 All NBA the next year. Yeah. So it's easy to look back and say, wow, those freaking morons. But man, if you could have just gotten those two <laughs> evaluations right, like imagine and a lot of this goes like a lot of times when we go back to, and because I think if we had to rank the mistakes of the process, like Markel Fultz's draft would be up there too. Then it be pushed back. Well, if Jason Tatum was off the board, there weren't very many avenues for you to go to. There weren't many great players to take. Um, but a lot of them is the opportunities that you turn down that we don't even know about. And one of those is, well, how, what could you have traded Ben Simmons for at that time? it probably would have been a star level talent. Like you probably could have gotten a lot for Ben Simmons at that time. He was very highly regarded around the league, even with his deficiencies, given he was on a rookie contract, given his age, given his athletic and and defensive abilities. um, And given the fact that people still had hope that he would improve upon his weaknesses, he had a lot of trade value at that time. And if you would have picked the right person and traded Ben at the apex of value, instead of picking the wrong person and letting the, the better player walk, and trading Ben for a guy in Harden, who we have a lot of concerns about right now, your championship hopes would have gone through the frickin' roof. Um, I do think there is a case that that is the one decision that has impacted them the most. It's one that I understand why they made, but it is certainly one that has impacted it the most.
1: And it just keeps blowing up in their face. <laughs> <more
0: and more. laughs> it really does. Every 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 playoff run, almost except for last year when they. were
1: I mean, and even in this year's playoffs, it's like. Not only is it blowing up in your face with Jimmy playing so well, all that stuff, no, no, he knocked you yeah, the fuck out, yeah. yeah he yeah, he knocked you out, and rubbed and it in your way, face. and by the way, your
0: superstar can't top, can't stop talking and tweeting about him,
1: yeah, we'll get to that in a sec, but the uh it's yeah it, it was a defensible decision, I mean, if you go back to that point in time, that would have been one of the most controversial decisions ever but if you, if you look at it, like you said. I don't know if Ben would have gotten you a superstar, but let's just say you even had Jimmy, Joel, and like two dynamite starting level players, two two rock solid guys. And you see the formula over these last three playoffs where if you have one or two stars and Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid are absolute stars, like those are, you know, Joel is in the top five in the regular season. Maybe he takes a little bit of a step back in the playoffs with his value. But then you have Jimmy, who is clearly a top ten playoff player right now. You have those two with great depth, and you know you probably get some shooting around those guys, and no Ben Simmons concerns. You might be able to switch everything on the defensive end. That that decision is, yeah, it's it's haunting for sure. It's uh, it's bad, and and like you said, you have Joel saying Miami needs another star, which. Yeah, I look, I, I I love him and I, I understand I, I, you know, he can do whatever he wants. That is intentionally
0: it is definitely stoking intentional. the fire. Yes. yeah. And like a lot of people are, um, you know, look, does that mean Joel wants to leave? No, not like I think Joel is trolling, but do I also think that he was just tweeting about the game and didn't know how people would react? No, Joel is exceptionally smart exceptionally attuned to social media and he enjoys trolling. Uh, like, I think he knew, you know, you, you had a, a tweet that, well, Joel Embiid's made two tweets about this game and one has a few more retweets. Joel and B knew that one was going to get retweets. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. And it's, uh,
1: I, I can understand why some people be like, ah, that's annoying after, I mean, after honestly, like I, a, a lot of people made a huge deal about this. Cause again, there's nothing to talk about over, uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it turns into lot. this is a symptom. This is why the Sixers stink and he's not fully committed. I don't know, man. He just played a playoff series with a broken face and a thumb. So right. right. And and through the entire year I thought he handled the Ben Simmons shit sandwich as well as anybody did. Yep. Is it Is it a little bit annoying that he is trolling and rubbing the Jimmy Butler thing in the Sixers' faces even more? Yeah, because here's why it's annoying. The the possibility of him leaving is the scariest thing that could happen right. to this franchise. And that's that's what he was throwing yeah. in front of your face.
0: <laughs> no, and that's a hundred percent true. Because first of all, like the, the we talk about this a lot. We don't know that Joel Embiid has any interest in leaving or would develop any interest in leaving, but we know that the history of the NBA plays out where there is always that concern lingering in the back of your mind. And for fans, losing Joel Embiid, him specifically him wanting out, is the biggest fear. And he's just gotta know like do I think he's mostly trolling with that tweet? Yes. Yeah. Do I think he has to understand that this is like, you've got to pick your battles a little bit with the trolling. And this is the one topic that maybe just let slide. Just don't, don't send on that tweet. Just don't troll the fans on this one. Just don't troll the fans on this one.
1: But you know what? It's, it is (laughs) it is what it is. And he will stop tweeting about it when Jimmy Butler loses in the playoffs, which I don't know. We'll see. Could 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 be Sunday. Could be, uh, could be next week, or or maybe he'll be in Miami at the parade. Uh,
0: okay, I mean, they know. do
1: they do text every day. They do
0: talk every single day, apparently. So, oh yeah. look, there's like I understand why Sixers fans would be concerned about this because a the history of the NBA and b they're really really tight. Like that is not like that's legitimate. <laughs> that's why you can't you can't send that tweet. <laughs> and it, it? and look, some of the stuff like when Butler and Embiid were talking about each other after the series. Like some of that is, especially Embiid was asked about Jimmy. Does he go out of his way to talk about how much he loves him a little too much? Yeah. But some of it is the fact that he's asked about it. Yeah. This one was self-inflicted though.
1: Sure, yeah. It's similar to his. He talked about his MBA. Or uh, sorry, his MVP. Everybody's like, "Oh, he's stomping for MVP all season." No, he gets asked about that after every. Oh, why is he so hung up on the
0: MVP award? Well, because we're asking about it. Because
1: he gets asked about it more than like literally anybody. And you know what? Good for him. He keeps answering the questions. So that's not. uh, I think last year he made the point that last year he really went out of his way to to say that he wanted it and he deserved it, and he still wanted it for sure. And I think. You saw that over the couple of days when it became apparent that he was gonna lose when he was in a bad mood, but for the most part he did not did not go about it that way, which is is fine um yeah this was uh but that's everybody's worst nightmare is is that him him leaving him him asking out i know he signed a massive contract extension, but like you said the the history the recent history of the n b a is you signed that thing and you don't like your situation you uh yeah. you ask out and
0: contracts big- for nba superstars is it between a team and a player yes but it doesn't really mean what team he's going to play for it just means how much he's going to be paid that concern is always out there i think Joel Embiid has done a remarkable job of remaining committed to the organization even through some uh interesting ups and downs yes but definitely. there's that concern i understand why fans freak out about every tweet he sends i get.
1: He, yeah, and I, I don't think they're at that point right now.
0: But like Daryl Morey is a, has a very important job to do because if he screws up too much, again, that concern is always out there.
1: The the concern will not go away until this guy actually can compete. Like he actually has a good enough team to to win a title. So that's look that's the the situation the Sixers face uh, face themselves. And honestly, when we talked about you know Harden's contract. Maybe trading Tobias, uh, factoring in Maxi's extension next year, building out the bench. W- what do you do with the mid-level draft picks? All of this stuff. That concern is in the back of your head at 100%. all times. And 100%. so at least the one good thing that came out of this is Joel got us to talk about this out in front. The, the, the worry, as always, is him leaving. Because if he leaves, you got to just completely start over.
0: Anything else that uh, we missed there in the rundown? There wasn't a whole lot of news out there, but
1: no, I don't think so. I saw um, saw Maxie's already back in the gym. B-ball Paul's lifting a lot to to add. Gotta to get that, that vertical. Gotta get that, to that vertical. I look, you know, you want a championship team? A guy that can jump
0: <laughs> fifty-five jump inches, yeah. five and a half feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's uh
0: it helps. Look, like it helps. That's the
1: road to a championship.
0: But um, I'm also working on improving my vertical, 10 to 15 inches, which would give me a 10 to 15 inch vertical. Big ups, big ups. Um, What's the highest
1: you ever jumped? You ever?
0: I could back in in high school. I could dunk a. I think I got a volleyball was the most, and I'm six yeah. two, so that doesn't mean like I wasn't jumping out of the gym, but I could I could get a volleyball. My, I could never control the ball enough. Uh, a basketball, like I feel like my hands were just small enough where dunking a basketball, I never had full control and I never got, but yeah, I could, I could get a volleyball. I think was the most I got. I got a tennis ball pretty easily. Not, not any It's better.
1: It's better than me. I, uh, I, I got a tennis well, ball probably a couple of times like, in my life.
0: Four inches on you, I would guess.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, you do.
0: My, my but ups for my, my size are pretty embarrassing. Pretty embarrassing.
1: Touching the backboard was always cool. That, I, always, I always enjoyed that. Just like a nice hard college, a nice slap of
0: the backboard. that And that's really all I got to. Yeah. I, I used to always have this conversation of which would you rather do, like be able to hit a baseball like 400 feet or dunk or like anything like that. I still think hitting a baseball, like just crushing a baseball might be up there for me over like dunking in traffic or dunking on someone.
1: I'd rather. I'd rather dunk yeah. on someone. I think hitting a baseball is objectively harder just because. Mostly has to do with hand eye, which like it most like there, there is a, the athleticism limits you on dunking a basketball. Like yeah. you either, you either have that or you don't, um, baseball is a thing I think that can be somewhat learned over time, but man, it's really
0: hard. So yeah, and may, may, maybe that's why that's my, cause I think I I knew pretty early on that, like just posterizing guys was not in my future. Uh, so may, maybe that's why I veered towards crushing a, uh, Ryan Howard moonshot, but yeah. I,
1: I, when I watch NBA games, I always think it's cool. Like Jimmy had a good pass. Maybe it was in like the second quarter of the game where he, he dumped it, dumped it back to Adebayo on like a delayed fast break, and Adebayo like from just inside the free throw line, just monster yeah. two hand dunk. And when they show the the footage from above the rim of like the slow motion footage of a guy soaring and getting ready to dunk it, that's when I get jealous. I'm like, man, that's that's pretty cool.
0: It was not in my uh, was not in my, my future. Anyway, uh, I think that's probably just about all that I have. I think we'll start getting into a little more of the meat of the off season here in coming podcasts, specifically with uh, with that contract that I think we've been delaying talking about, because, quite frankly, it's terrifying. But <laughs> thank you, Rich, for jumping on. And we will talk to you soon.
1: See you, man.